1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, a weird hit piece came out uh, targeting Casey DeSantis. I'm going to get to that in a little bit, because, and I call it weird because what it describes is essentially someone that a lot of uh, Democratic politicians uh, also have in their life, and uh, those women are praised. But if you're a Republican politician, specifically if you're DeSantis and you're from Florida and you've made certain – I don't even know what the rules are, to be honest, as to why it would be out like this. But there's a there's a Washington Post hit piece is what people are calling it. Uh, certainly conservatives are calling it uh, that seems to be attacking the, the confusing amount of power uh, that Casey DeSantis has, the wife of Governor Ron DeSantis. And so, as I said, I'll get to that in a second because uh, I read all of it. I even heard some reactions from uh, people on uh, Fox, uh, Kaylee McEnany among them. And there were points where I read it and I'm like, this reminds me of my relationship with Betty. Uh, very sweet, very kind, very nice. Uh, my wife uh, in very close relationship. We spend a lot of time together, and I, I don't know when that became bad. But anyway, I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, you also have Anthony Blinken, uh, the Secretary of State uh, in China, doing a uh, weekend visit that almost didn't include a meeting with President Xi Jinping, but then a last-minute meeting was set up, uh, according to some reports. And in the meeting, I guess China just scolded our Secretary of State, or basically, and that's not even, those aren't even my words. Uh, that's CNN and their version of events. So I'll get to that in a, a second, too. Uh, but I wanted to start with this, actually. Uh, Anheuser-Busch released a statement over the weekend about how things have gone very poorly for this company uh, because of the Bud Light boycotts. Uh, the Bud Light boycotts, of course, because of a partnership with a, a transgender influencer on TikTok. Uh, I said back when that thing first became a story, that Bud Light definitely did not intend for most people to be aware of that marketing campaign. Uh, they thought they'd reach younger people on TikTok and that no one else would pay any attention to something at all. And now that they've had so much backlash, so many problems, um, they've tried to weather the storm. One of my favorite things they did, because I saw this story over the weekend, and it reminded me, was right after the controversy first started to be a thing and people started to boycott, um, Bud Light put out that ridiculously American commercial or, or video. I don't know if it even went on television. It might have just been on social media. I don't know if you remember it, but they had like the, the Clydesdales running. There was an American flag and, and other things. I even made a joke with my mom as I was with my mom over the weekend. And she goes, the only thing missing from the Bud Light commercial was just putting up like photos of guns at some point and trying to beg people uh, who are American, uh, however um, Bud Light or Anheuser-Busch saw them, to start buying their beer again. Uh, but here's what I think is interesting. Um, this is not an apology. And a lot of people say that this is not good enough because it's not an apology. And I agree that if you are boycotting Bud Light because you think that the woke advertising that they were trying to accomplish in social media is one of the bigger problems we have in society right now in general. And what I mean by that is that companies uh, need to have positions on stuff, on, on social issues, uh, that um, famous athletes need to have positions on stuff whatever those issues are of the day. Uh, and that's essentially what Bud Light is saying at the beginning here, or what Anheuser-Busch, uh, the parent company, is saying. And this is this is true. You just kind of think that the companies need to be aware of this before they do any of these things. This, this shouldn't be a statement that matters more so um, than just the fact they didn't apologize to me because they're stating the simple belief that a lot of people have. But here's how they started uh, their statement, which actually is not titled any sort of reaction to uh, what's going on in the boycotting. What the actual title is from their press release on their website is Anheuser-Busch announces support for frontline employees and wholesale partners. 
I'm meaning a a large portion of this message is directed to all the people that have also been impacted by this, especially the the wholesale partners that might be trying to figure out a different way to stay in business that abandons uh, Anheuser-Busch or Bud Light to some degree. So this is a very business beneficial uh, statement and very business focused, and it's being covered um, a little bit differently. Um, even though it is a statement and they, they do recognize uh, what they, they you know, have done in the past. Uh, but I, I don't think they really even care still that much about the customers themselves because that's that wasn't the focal point of putting this out in the first place. But here's what it says. Uh, we recognize that over the uh, last two months, the discussion surrounding our company and Bud Light has moved away from beer, and this has impacted our co- uh, consumers, our business partners, and our employees. We are a beer company, and beer is for everyone. Today we are announcing three important actions as we continue to move our business forward. And then, as I said, the first two are really all about the business, about frontline employees, about wholesale partners and independent uh, partners of theirs. And then finally it says, third – To all our valued consumers, so third on the list is the people who are choosing not to buy this product, we hear you. Our summer advertising launches next week, and and you can look forward to Bud Light reinforcing what you've always loved about our brand, that it's easy to drink and easy to enjoy. Uh, One of the other things that I think Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch, the executives who did that um, ad in the first place, really underestimated was the difference or the the um, value of their product compared to all the other products that are available because it's not that different. Can I say the thing that, that some people probably are saying and then other people aren't really saying? I, I don't care what cheap beer it is. All the cheap beers kind of taste very similarly. There's not a whole lot of identifying differences there. So the boycotting of Bud Light was easy, I think, for a lot of people because switching from Bud Light to Miller Light or Coors Light, or maybe Casper, uh, which is a product available at the VFW in Peoria Heights, and it's great. Uh, local brewery out of Bloomington, a veteran, uh, creates those beers, Casper beers. Uh, but whatever it is, like it was, it was easy to, to flip to something else uh, in this world. And again, so this, this uh, statement is probably unlikely to do much of any good for the people who are boycotting the product in the first place. Um, because, and I, as I said a second ago, I think the main message in this is the message that every company should hear just talk about your product. Just just feel that, you know, you don't need to have statements in the world of things that go beyond what your company does and what your product is because we know and we should know and those who don't know uh, really, really should know that you don't actually care as a company about these things. You care about a bottom line profit and you hurt your bottom line a lot in the way in which you went about advertising. And also, as is evident here, you don't want to come out and fully say, we're sorry, we got things wrong because you're worried about how that'll hurt your bottom line with anybody on the side that supported you in the advertising in the first place. But just don't do this is the cautionary tale. Uh, maybe it doesn't help Bud Light, but it helps others. All right, real quickly, the, the Casey DeSantis thing, and I'll get to more of this later. It's just crazy to me. It's a, a very long Washington Post article about how scary the influence of Casey DeSantis is, according to the writer of this, this article, uh, Ruby Kramer, and really how much Ron DeSantis relies on the opinion of his wife, uh, cares about her, uh, you know, thinks she's someone that has has importance as far as um, what she'll say or, or what she thinks of something. Uh, essentially, he's he's married to a person that he respects. It's basically what it is. And it's it's crazy uh, the way that they shape it to be some sort of limitless power of the. And I'll just remind people before I play some audio of Kaylee McEnany from Fox reacting to this that um, Hillary Clinton ran for president, 
of course, at one time, uh, the wife of a president. So I don't think anyone was all that upset on the Democratic side of the aisle at the influence or, or interest uh, that Hillary Clinton had in political power and the way in which she used the platform of being the first lady or even, um, you know, not necessarily in the role when Clinton's the president, but any other political role he had. She was involved in doing stuff. People are begging Michelle Obama to run for president, obviously think that she's a valuable person who has interesting opinions in the world, again, of the Democratic Party. I'm not saying Republicans or conservatives uh, feel this way about uh, the Obamas per se. But so being someone who's who's opinionated, if that's what you want to call it, or someone who uh, potentially could be seen easily as a political um, player themselves, good thing. On the Democratic side of the aisle, two Democrats, two mainstream media, uh, Michelle Obama celebrated uh, by a whole lot of places like The Washington Post, Casey DeSantis torched, uh, torched for being a scary, you know, secretive person in the background of Ron DeSantis's life, who's probably really pulling the strings and making all the decisions. Uh, this is insane. Here's how Kaylee McEnany responded to this story. She's unstoppable. She's smart. She's strong. She's accomplished and she's conservative. So she will be attacked. I read every word of this hit piece last night. It was in The Washington Post. It was north of 5,000 words. And the animating themes were this. Okay, they love being around each other, Ron DeSantis and Casey DeSantis. They're private. And when he was in Congress, he would leave at, if the vote was at noon, he'd be on his way to the airport at 12.06 because he wanted to see his family. Sounds like a great marriage to me. (laughs) And then the other complaint about Uh Ron DeSantis was this. There were three things he liked to talk about with his staff, the Constitution, baseball, and golf. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, okay, why is this bad? So my takeaway from this is this is the most flattering hit piece I have ever read. And is it this is the worst yeah. thing they have on the DeSantis's? Wow, what a great family, uh, a role model family, I would say. Let me just simply ask the question one more time and then I'll move on. Why is it bad if Casey DeSantis does have political aspirations and provides political opinions to her, her uh, husband? Uh, why is that a bad thing if, again, uh, the last two high-profile Democrats – Uh, to hold the position of uh, president of the United States, have spouses that the mainstream media very much, well, I don't know about Hillary anymore, but certainly Michelle Obama, respects and thinks uh, should be political players themselves. I mean, of course, Hillary uh, was uh, beyond running for president. So, again, I just don't I don't understand that. Not that I'm, I'm even saying that's true. I have no idea. If Casey DeSantis wants to run for office someday or or wields any sort of political power with her husband, I just don't get why this is such a a, it's it's so biased. It's so biased that it's actually laughable. um, The position taken on Casey compared to Michelle or anyone else. It's just it's so far to one side that it demonstrates a lot of the things I might talk about on the show and uh, a lot of people talk about uh, for media and the blind spots they have. Because whoever this writer is is obviously a Democrat uh, who works for Jeff Bezos's Washington Post and obviously feels a certain way about the closeness of a marriage. Like, didn't they celebrate uh, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama's marriage? Wasn't that celebrated often by a lot of media, a lot of mainstream left-leaning liberal um, legacy media? I just I don't. Not that I'm even trying to defend Ron DeSantis all that much. It's just it's a weird thing to be out there and to be responding to. And I know any uh, Trump supporters listening to this show, I might think uh, talking about Ron DeSantis all this much is is not fair or, or doesn't matter because uh, former President Trump is still winning in the polls. It's just it's just a weird, weird thing. Uh, I don't know why mainstream media is more comfortable with whatever they feel uh, Melania Trump is or offers to 
uh, that presidency, often, um, you know, casting her as someone who was trapped in her own marriage. I was usually the conversation media had about Melania. All right, let me move on. Uh, one other thing I wanted to touch on, uh, and I talked about it quickly uh, before uh, the news break. So, of, of course, Father's Day is over the weekend. Father's Day is a weird holiday to me. Uh, I was raised by a single parent, by my mom, and uh, I don't have any kids. Um, and so I don't I kind of forget about Father's Day a lot. It just sort of goes over me um, because it's not really celebrated in my my life that much. And my grandfather, uh, who I've talked about before, who had a, a male role model um, role in my life when I was a little kid, uh, passed away uh, quite a few years ago. So that would be, probably be the only person that I would really celebrate the holiday for. Outside of the fact that over the last couple of years, I've realized my mom uh, kind of deserves the extra praise for Father's Day. Uh, when I was a little kid, if I played baseball or basketball or any of those sports, Ma would be the one going. Ma would be the one sitting in the stands. Uh, she would be the one that was uh, there. Did she pay attention all the time? I I'm sure she won't be upset when I say this. No, not all the time. She's there. She took me to all the practices, all the events, everything. Uh, some of the stuff you would maybe assume Pop would do. Or even like practice a sport if I wanted to practice outside when I was a little kid. She would try to help if she could uh, while she raised four kids. So over the weekend, I helped her build a fence. Uh, and my mom, uh, I'm probably not supposed to say her age on the radio, but she's not someone uh, that I would want building as much of the fence as she did. Uh, but her and I on um, Saturday night after I did the remote with Greg at Allman and Sons and then Sunday morning, built about 50, 60 percent of the fence in her backyard. A very proud of it. Very fun time. Um, lots of injuries sustained along the way by me, none by Ma. Uh, at times I was trying too hard to, you know, it, it, this is what I should say, actually. It felt good over the weekend to be treated like a young man. Uh, more and more in my life, I'm treated like not a young man. Uh, my little brother came to visit. He's got kids that are 15 and 12, and they treat me like I'm ancient. Uh, they treat me as though I'm, I'm one basketball play away from certain death is the way that they behave. Like, I check the ball, and both the kids seem to be wet, ready to shock me back to life. Um, but then I go, and I spend the weekend with just my mom and her neighbor, uh, who actually asked me to do stuff in their yard, too, which was hilarious. And I did it, uh, by the way. And the whole time, I was being treated like the exact opposite. So maybe for that reason, I enjoyed it. Um, but as we went, and as we built the fence, I did keep thinking the entire time, especially on Sunday, which was Father's Day, that this is also kind of the thing that you might stereotypically think like a dad and his son would do, uh, build a fence together, do something, a, a project like that. And that's what my mother and I did uh, all day Sunday and then watched a, a Yankee game where they got destroyed by the Red Sox uh, multiple times. That was no fun. Uh, and then I, I went home. So I don't know. It was a cool way to spend Father's Day, uh, a cool way to remember what my mother provided to me in my life uh, as a single parent. Um, and certainly, again, a, a fun way to, to wake up uh, this morning and realize that I have some some souvenirs uh, from uh, the time building the fence, including a piece of wood that was dropped on my foot. Uh, the foot's fine. Mom, if you're listening, foot's fine. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm not the young man that, that her and her neighbor were treating me like. Uh, but I'm also not the man right on the precipice of death that my young nephews uh, treat me like either. So it's, it's a weird window uh, to be. And that was more about me than about anything else. So, again, thank you to my mom for all she did raising me. And uh, sorry if the fence isn't as straight as we want it to be. We, we tried. Uh, we'll fix more of it a few days later. All right, quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 
WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff to talk about, as always. Uh, I love this hack that's out there on social media, I think, and some other places. Uh, a scientist said that you got to stop drinking coffee. You don't need it. It doesn't help you, according to the scientists, at least compared to the thing they said you should do, uh, which is stick your head in a freezer. Just stick your head straight in a freezer, um, hold it there as long as you can, and then take it out, and boom, you get a surge of energy. And that's uh, better than coffee, at least as I'm told. Uh, one other quick thing. I wanted to bring in TJ Carson in our traffic department for this. Uh, TJ, you were telling me something before the show today that you saw out there in the world of sports betting, correct? Yeah, I want to thank you for this opportunity You're to welcome. ruin everybody's Monday. <laughs> You're welcome, sir. Uh, just laying at home Friday night, uh, uh-huh. chilling after watching golf. And sure. See this tweet pop up on my uh, timeline from betonline.ag. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know sports gambling has exploded in the past few years. It has, years. yes, it, a lot. All over the place. Correct. Um, BetOnline.ag has a unique opportunity. Uh, according to their tweet, we are proud to be the first sports book to offer betting odds on the Special Olympics. Oh, oh, okay. All right. And they link a Forbes <laughs> no. article that uh-huh. – hold, hold on. They link a Forbes article that announces it. But the headline of the Forbes article even asked, is this a good thing? (laughs) So their announcement for a thing linking to other media, uh, the media is not sure it's happy. about. Yeah, I'm not sure that a lot of people would love the sports odds part. I did tell you off the air that if I was, say, the parent of a a special uh, Olympic athlete, it might be cool to, like, bet on my kid uh, before they compete in a sport to win a gold medal. That might be fun, sort of like drafting a – a fantasy football team if you have a, a friend who actually plays professional sports or something. Uh, but, yeah, I can see the challenges, the, the negative components to uh, putting odds to uh, people who would win in Special Olympics events. It, just, I, it yeah. doesn't feel right. It, it seems it there's – right. like there, yeah. Here's a quote from the article from one of their guys. Shoot. If there are two or more people engaged in a sanctioned competition, we want to offer odds on it, and the Special Olympics is no different. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. I, I get what you're saying. I follow along. Uh, I, I most understand. people hated it that reacted online, right, to this? There was a lot of negative okay. reaction right. to it. Some even referencing the South Park episode where Cartman tried to sure. game it. There I was remember. a Johnny Knoxville movie. Yep, there was. Too. Yep. Although the people in the Knoxville movie were actually um, um, Special Olympics yeah. participants, and they all said they were happy to be in the movie. But, yes, I yeah. understand where then, you're going with this. And then one Thanks fi- for that. Yeah, yeah one final thought. They, quoted, oh. they posted a tweet about the opening ceremony from mm-hmm. in Berlin this year. Yep. We support the Choose to Include movement and will continue to support the Special Olympics moving forward. Wow. I didn't understand the mm-hmm. Choose to Include movement includes betting on that. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that I, that was a Vegas I thing. dirty yeah. with that. Fair enough. Thank you, TJ, for the update on that uh, will's got your news you can hear us on am at 1470 on fm at 100.3 and all over the internet at wmbdradio.com and the wmbd radio app will what do you got pete rose would have bet on it i mean he bets on everything <laughs> he would bet on every yes That's i'm true. sure he would yeah. i'm just saying right 1470 100.3 wmbd it's the craig collins show thrilled to have you with us as i always say lots of stuff uh, to talk about let's talk about anthony blinken uh, Secretary of State going to China, getting a last-minute, uh, according to some reporting inter- or interview, last-minute conversation sit-down with Xi Jinping, the president of China. And according to even CNN, uh, the tone of those conversations the Chinese officials had uh, with uh, Secretary Blinken were, well, uh, interesting, uh, unique, uh, not great. I don't know what word we want to use. He used the word scolding. 
Well, there was an almost scolding tone from the Chinese president to Secretary Blinken uh, in advance of their meeting in which he said something along the lines of, I hope you, uh, Secretary Blinken, in America will do more to improve the relationship, clearly putting the onus on the U.S. and therefore implying it's the U.S. that has been the problem here. Now, you should do more to fix the relationship with us. All we did was potentially create COVID and not admit it. And I only say potentially because somehow we still don't know the actual answer to that, which is insane. I can't fathom how we don't know the actual answer to that question still. And China's a big reason why. They just won't give anybody, not just the United States, but the World Health Organization or anyone, information. They're like, no, you can't have it. We didn't make it, but you can't have the information that would prove that we either did or didn't make it. And then also the, the spy balloon thing. Uh, not just our country, but a lot of countries. We let one fly over us. We shot it down. And then we send our secretary of state there. And they're like, you better do more to fix stuff with us. Uh, if you don't know, and I'd be amazed that you didn't, this is going to be uh, the most um, obvious or like simplistic thing I say today on the show, which shouldn't be a goal for me to simplify things as much as possible. But China is, is communist, communist country, the Republic of China, uh, one of the only countries in the world right now that is um, classified as successful and communist. Uh, the other countries, I looked it up, um, that are classified as successful and communist, which people are going to disagree on, the successful part, uh, Cuba, uh, Vietnam, North Korea, um, uh, just some of the ones that would be listed there. Not exactly a lovely uh, group of places to be involved with. But anyway, like we're, we're forever at odds uh, with the ideological things uh, that the Chinese government thinks and does. We, we can't be. Uh, aligned the way that the politicians will share or say that we're aligned. Um, but it's that simple uh, bending the knee or whatever you want to call it to China that is extra scary uh, that happens from uh, anyone in the NBA or anywhere else to to our politicians. Because here, let's let's play some of what Blinken actually said while he was there. First, here is part of that statement about how the United States is is definitely friends with China, buddies. We're doing great. Things are good. Uh, and also, we don't support Taiwan and their independence at all. That's not something we support even a little bit because we don't want to have a conflict with, Ta with China. Here we go. We do not support Taiwan independence. We remain opposed to any unilateral changes to the status quo by either side. We continue to expect the peaceful resolution of cross-strait differences. We remain committed to meeting our responsibilities under the Taiwan Relations Act, including making sure that Taiwan has the ability to defend itself. In case China went in there and tried to take over, even though we don't support the independence of Taiwan, we just want to leave everything as is. You know what that's like, uh, by the way, when I heard him say that? You know what that's similar to? The way we felt about the contested areas between Russia and Ukraine, the way we felt about every single aspect of Russia and Ukraine as far as their conflict went up until Russia invaded and tried to take the totality of Ukraine. Then we started sending a whole bunch of military equipment, uh, weapons, and writing a bunch of blank checks to support Ukraine. And I'm not saying we shouldn't prevent Russia from taking over Ukraine. That part makes sense to me still. But the stance we have on Taiwan uh, is a very similar stance to the stance we have on even the areas that are contested between Russia and Ukraine that Ukraine is now trying to fight and remove Russia from. We would not have supported uh, a fight where Ukraine asked us for, for money and weapons to go wage that war against Russia in those places. And yet that's exactly what we're doing now. I can see this being what eventually occurs in the world of Taiwan and China. Uh, but that's what we're saying at this moment. That's what Anthony Blinken is saying. Uh, he also said this when on CBS News uh, after the trip or I think maybe uh, during the trip. 
um, about how China totally understands all the positions, all the things we say and and believe and the way in which we you know, want to have a good relationship with them, but also aren't thrilled about some of the things that they do, some of the ways that their government behaves. Uh, and, you know, uh, again, uh, and I can't believe that this isn't something that comes up all the time, the lack of information we all have as a world about COVID. Um, this is why communist countries don't work, by the way. This is why communism is much, much worse than the things we have, the sweet, sweet capitalism of the place we have here, because the, the state becomes such a powerful. This is also just very simplistic things to say on a Monday. Uh, the state becomes such a powerful thing that they just do whatever they want, whenever they want. And then when we go there, when the United States shows up there, they treat us like, how dare you say anything negative about us? Uh, you dumb, dumb people uh, as they're flying spy balloons over our country. But here's a little bit more Blinken. But an aspect of that that really is important is military to military. Mm -hmm. We don't have an agreement on that yet. It's something we're going to keep working. I made very clear to our Chinese counterparts the importance that we attach uh, to that, uh, something that is also profoundly in their interest. Because, again, we both agree that we want to, uh, at the very least, make sure that we don't inadvertently have a conflict because of miscommunication, because of uh, misunderstanding. Yeah, we don't want to inadvertently have a conflict because of a misunderstanding, because we can't figure out a way to appease China correctly, and then they get mad at us, and then we, get a f we, we become afraid of them. I, I don't get it. Uh, the United States, obviously, as a country, a military force is tremendously capable, uh, tremendously capable. In fact, if you have someone in charge, uh, you do not have the provocative ways in which China is treating the United States right now. Occur you just don't have it occur. Uh, but to dismiss the secretary of state, Antony Blinken, as much as they did before eventually agreeing to a meeting where, according to CNN, they scolded him. Uh, is is a uniquely and I'm not I'm not trying to say like all out war. Let's invade China tomorrow. I don't want anyone to hear that on the show right now as I'm talking about this. But there is no no world where United States and China are truly aligned on a variety of issues. There's just not a world where that exists. There is a world that exists right now where a lot of people uh, in government on both sides like the fact that we work together for the financial opportunities it provides. Uh, but there is not a world where we see eye to eye with their leaders on a variety of things. It just it just doesn't actually there's too many differences, uh, even though the biggest narrative also coming out of this from Democrats is how much we agree on. And they're actually I'll play it later in the audio. Uh, there was a reporter who asked uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre. Now, actually, fine, I'll just play it now. Uh, what those things are. What's the totality of stuff that we agree on? And she's like, um, I don't know. I can't really get into all that. Actually, she also said this. Uh, this is interesting, too. So let's just play all this now. Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked how President Biden was involved in these meetings with China because his great buddy-buddy relationship that he's bragged about with Xi Jinping, that it's, it's a good thing, that it has some sort of benefit uh, to us and our relationship with China. And he has not been involved at all, uh, according to uh, the White House press secretary. Clear question, uh, clarifying question. So are you saying that President Biden has not yet spoken with Secretary Blinken after his meetings? say is he's been kept abreast by the National Security Council, <laughs> regular communication with yeah, yeah. them. Once the secretary lands, comes back, uh, gets back to uh, the U.S., he'll have a full uh, full briefing from him. Yeah, he's been kept uh, in touch. They've, they've been texting a little bit. Uh, Blinken's been telling our president what, what's going on. And our president's been like, okay, somebody explain this to me. I don't even know. Uh, that's, that's essentially the world uh, we live in right now. Uh, but I don't know. It just seems like as I watched all this coverage over the weekend of Blinken there, and maybe you don't care. 
Uh, maybe the relationship with China is something that's barely on uh, your radar or anyone's radar out there. So it's it's just not something that it comes up. It's not you're sit, not sitting over a beer at a bar being like, so what do you think about U.S. and China relations? <laughs> I, I don't know if that's something we discuss more. But it's just so interesting to see how many of the reactions out there right now are basically ways in which our current uh, secretary of state is trying to do as much as possible to essentially flatter and be nice to China uh, the exact same way that our president often talks when he says things like a, a powerful China is good for the United States. It's not necessarily good if China becomes more and more powerful uh, because China doesn't see us as an ally. They see us as someone that they need to scold when we show up in their country. Uh, but here, here's that last piece of audio that I said uh, where a reporter asked Corinne Jean-Pierre, you know, that Xi Jinping has indicated a statement uh, about a wide amount of areas of agreement between the United States and, and China, something the United States has said, too. Can you tell us what some of those are? Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, uh, in her own words, uh, someone who's uh, historically valuable uh, in the world, uh, not a very good answer here. After Secretary of State Blinken met with Chinese President Xi, Xi had indicated in his statement that there were areas of agreement uh, between the U.S. and China. Do you know what those areas were that he's referencing? And would this meet the president's definition when he said that he felt there would be a thaw in relations? Um, so I'm not going to get into like any specific issues that were discussed. I will refer you to the State Department for the full readout, so I'll leave it there. Yeah, I'm not going to get any of those. I don't want to discuss any of those issues. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to preach on the radio in Peoria on a Monday uh, that China's our enemy and we need to fight them uh, at all costs or anything like that. I want to make that crystal clear. That's why I'm saying it a second time. Um, but the, the way in which the relationship is described to you and me uh, by a lot of politicians, especially this administration, is so utterly illogical that if anyone pays attention for any amount of time, it should be easy to realize that there are so many ideological differences uh, between us and the government in China uh, that there is no way to have the kumbaya relationship that we're going to be told we have. Someone is taking advantage of someone at the very least. And for the last few years, it's been very easy for anyone paying any any kind of attention to realize that China is taking a lot of advantage of the United States and the current president's stance on China, uh, so much so that they brazenly fly spy balloons over our country and tell us they're weather balloons. And we wait to shoot them down till they get all the way across the country. And then when we find uh, – well, we didn't find much spy technology because we let a lot of it sink to the bottom of the ocean, uh, but find at least some spy technology. They're like, yeah, we don't know. No, we're not talking about that anymore. Uh, you leave us alone. Uh, because, again – and actually uh, one of the reasons I think I'm mentioning this is Colin Kaepernick was in the news. Um, I guess he has helped – with a um, book uh, and, and other things with prominent Marxists. Um, and he said in an interview with New Republic why he was involved in this, uh, that he said black liberation isn't possible under capitalism. That's something that Colin Kaepernick said. Uh, the man has gone very far from, say, uh, kneeling on a football field and then saying that the NFL refused uh, to allow him to play football because of his political stance and not just the fact that he wasn't exactly an amazing uh, NFL quarterback and he would certainly have courted controversy uh, if he played in the NFL during those years. But now his, his stance is, is quite a bit more evolved and it says that capitalism or what he was here in the United States is in fact the, the problem in the first place for at least um, minority or black Americans. Um, those stances 
uh, those thoughts, those th- this is probably the biggest reason I wanted to rant on this today of like how much better communism is or socialism is, uh, which is a defining characteristic of the things that are talked about on the Democratic side and the liberal side of the aisle as far as moving forward. I mean, AOC has said that capitalism is a broken system. And so they're, they're advocating for something that would turn us into to a China, uh, which would not be good for you and me, would not be good for anyone. Uh, and certainly is not something that a lot of people in this country, politicians and others, would allow to happen. It's just it's just sort of surreal. Uh, it's it's you know what it, it reminds me of. And this is the last thing I'll say. My wife is still in Mexico. Uh, she left um, on Wednesday or Thursday, I think, morning of last week. She'll be back Wednesday night. And I've often talked about her small town in Mexico and how different it is if you experience policing there uh, or lack of policing is what I should say, because people don't show up. Someone gets killed in that uh, small town, and there aren't a bunch of sirens and people driving to a house and trying to arrest a bad guy, police show up many hours later and essentially do almost nothing unless they're paid to do something. And even then, my wife will tell me that her family doesn't really trust the outcome uh, the police provide to them as far as uh, what happened and who's responsible. And I can be really specific if you want me to. There's a story right now uh, that scares me a lot uh, about my wife and her experience being there, and she's been safe. Um, but there's uh, narco or, um, you know, drug cartels there that fly little drones over the town and spy on stuff. And there was a 16-year-old girl that was killed. Uh, this was a couple months ago. Um, she Very horrific story. Uh, not exactly a, a fun conversation for Monday. And it took a bunch of protesting by the people that live in the small town for the police to investigate the story at all. Just fathom that here in our country. A 16-year-old girl is is gruesomely killed. And the police aren't doing anything about it until we protest and, and storm the streets to ask for any information. And then the person they eventually arrested is someone that a lot of people in town don't believe could have possibly been connected to the crime in the first place. It's a real thing that's happening in the small town that my wife is in right now in Mexico. And yet here in our country, uh, we have people that protest and say that, you know, we need to defund the police who just have no understanding of how things exist other places compared to here and how much money you need to have to bribe police to do anything uh, in Mexico, which, of course, no one in, in Betty's small town really has. And the um, the narcos, the drug cartels have enough money to control the police anyway. That's just one example of something that's profoundly different somewhere else than here. And then you look at China and the way in which certain things are handled by their government. And you wonder how anyone could say that the system we have needs to be upended and replaced by a system similar to that. Uh, Even a Colin Kaepernick, who, of course, easily attacked by conservatives for a wide range of things he stood for and easily propped up and praised uh, by uh, Democrats, by liberals, by uh, people that are, you know, uniquely focused in certain social justice messages. And the message has transformed. And Kaepernick is now saying that uh, capitalism itself, uh, not just any other thing, is the problem. And that's scary, or at least it should be, similar to how uh, deferential or how how, uh, consistently Um, uh, Anthony Blinken was willing to bend the knee over the weekend to China. Uh, Quick break, a lot more, 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, Interesting uh, Monday, I guess, with all the serious topics I'm talking about out there. But I love this. This story is is awesome to me uh, because I would be so stoked if I lived in this place where this thing was occurring. Uh, so a person in a mask that's being described as a vigilante, uh, which makes I'm already very happy, uh, stopped a crime in West Virginia 
I guess someone has been uh, breaking into burglarizing uh, cabins there. So someone in a mask stopped a crime by shooting out uh, a burglar's tires and then tying the burglar's hands together and leaving him there for authorities to find. Not all of this even in the audio I'm about to play. Uh, Diana Brown is the name of somebody who lives nearby in another cabin uh, talking about uh, the craziness of the story. But there's a masked vigilante preventing crime or stopping criminals uh, in a place in the United States. And I am very, very excited about it. It's difficult to sit back and watch what's going on and not being able to do anything about it. I'm glad somebody was brave enough to step up and do something. That's a real resident saying that they're they're happy that someone is stepping up and, and fighting back because uh, just nothing that's happening in that town makes any sense, which it all feels like it's coming from a Marvel comic book or, or at least a, a Batman movie. That's the beginning of a Batman movie is you have somebody pop in that says, I like Batman. He's doing good out there. And then someone else says, I don't know. Batman's committing crimes on his own. Is he worth it? And then eventually you have the Joker. I'm not sure. Uh, but this made me very excited that this exists somewhere in the world. Uh, I am never going to be a masked vigilante, uh, but I'd very much like to have one just for like a day. If we could just have like one masked quote unquote vigilante that went to every city um, throughout the country and you got like your vigilante day. Uh, that would be great. I, I would very, very much be happy about that. Are you calling for a parade? Yeah, yeah, at least. A vigilante parade? Yeah, I want them to st- – like this story – Do you know what that would do to my job, Craig? It would be amazing. This story, <laughs> he shot out tires and then um, tied a guy up with, I assume, rope. It doesn't say handcuffs. And then left. He fled the scene, and the criminal was caught with a whole bunch of stolen goods in his car. Oh, good for him, then. Well, that needs to be a thing. We just need a day of Peoria's masked vigilante uh, to be – like, come on. I don't think we need that One here, news Craig. report? Where you ask me if, like, the vigilante is good or bad for our, our community and I have to decide on the air like that. We get callers to call in. I, I like the vigilante. I'm not sure about the vigilante. <laughs> we give them concert tickets or something. <laughs> <Right>. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we have a meet and greet day with the vigilante. Autograph signing. Right, yeah. Vigilante the, day at the old ballpark. Uh-huh, the cops are hot on our trail because they're trying to arrest the vigilante. <laughs> and I have to go on air then another day and apologize for my relationship with that's the vigilante. Vigilante parade that's led by a police squad yes. car like every other parade. Well, but that's that's the Commissioner Gordon police guy who's, oh, who's helping I the vigilante but pretending to so also be after So what you're saying him. is, is that Chief <laughs> Chavaria in the right. tank like he was in the Christmas parade Correct. is, is yes. what you're looking you're for right. The next time uh, Echevarria came on the show, I'd ask him, does he secretly have a relationship with the vigilante? And he would say no publicly, but behind closed doors, he'd say he's helping us. Yeah, I don't we know all why. know that. I mean, that's how it worked with Batman. <laughs> right. So all the things I want. This would be a great Monday for us all if it existed, and it's wow. in West Virginia, and we don't have it here. Wow. I just right. uh, I uh-huh. just heard something that I'd never given thought to before in my life. Well, there you go. I'm glad we really flushed this out. You probably have other news. That's not about being a vigilante. Well, unfortunately, okay. yes. Well, until the day comes, what would our vigilante be called if we could name our, our you know, superhero guy? What you think? Who would oh, he be? You know, all the good names are taken. Yeah. Spirit of Peoria, man. Would that be what it is? <laughs> and we'd all be so sad because he'd That's have the little perfect. like he'd have the ferry boat or whatever it was <laughs> on his shirt, his T-shirt. Yeah, and we'd all look at it like, oh, I miss the Spirit of Peoria. We'd have to get him a nice cape, though. Yeah, Spirit of Peoria, man. That's right. <laughs> Man, okay, Will's got the news, 1470, 100.3, WMBD.
This is the Craig Collins show, for so better his, or worse. So is his award light or his like his siren call then like a sound of like uh, one of those horns yeah. on a boat? Oh yeah, yeah. We just like put smoke <laughs> in the air. You just like bellows of smoke and then a horn and yeah, then but that then means people will accidentally think a Riverman game's going on. That's fine. That's also okay. A Riverman. Riverman man. <laughs> I don't like that one. No, oh. it's no good. Yeah. Um all right. Will's got the news. We'll have a meeting later. Good. I can't wait. At some point Spirit of Peoria man will grace the, the very streets of our community. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Lots and lots of stuff to talk about, as I always say. I do want to keep talking about the hit piece in the Washington Post about Casey uh, DeSantis. Uh, the article itself is very interesting to me uh, because it goes into uh, detail uh, time and again about how much Ron DeSantis looks to and wants to have conversations with Casey DeSantis. Uh, it talks about how Casey DeSantis, as a former uh, TV personality, is likable. It talks about how she's private. It talks about how her and her husband seem to have a good marriage, a close marriage, where they like to spend time with each other. And all of it essentially is supposed to be a demonstration of the dangerous power uh, that's being wielded by uh, Casey DeSantis uh, in the, um, you know, Ron DeSantis administration, or if uh, Ron DeSantis were to become president at some point, the likely way in which uh, Casey DeSantis would actually uh, rule in secret uh, behind closed doors with him. And what I keep saying about this, and the reason I find it such uh, an interesting position to be taken by mainstream media uh, in the world of a, a political uh, power couple if that's what you want to call the DeSantis's, is how often they celebrate and praise um, any female um, um, that's married to a, a powerful politician uh, that's a Democrat. Hillary Clinton is one that comes to mind a lot. Uh, and certainly more recently, Michelle Obama is one that comes to mind a lot. Uh, those individuals praised as people that are that are wonderful and, and the likability being a good thing. And uh, several people saying that Michelle Obama is the only person that could actually run for and successfully win on the Democratic side of the aisle the role of president right now uh, because of that popularity and that sort of media praise uh, that's in a lot of corners of the world. I can probably even find Washington Post articles that talk about how great uh, both of those women are. And it's just so interesting to me. Because, yes, I know that conservatives uh, would say the exact opposite, would say how how Hillary Clinton did wield power uh, behind the scenes with Bill and that that wasn't a good thing. Uh, or conservatives may say uh, to a lesser extent, I think, um, negative things about Michelle. But to be totally honest, uh, Michelle Obama seemed like someone that didn't really want uh, political power, uh, at least doesn't seem to want to run for president unless you believe that she's going to at some point actually be on the ticket, uh, which I'll I'll certainly uh, once it happens I say that it seemed like a, a game, uh, but right now it hasn't happened yet. So it's just so odd again uh, to see it out there and, and so talked about as if it's such a negative and, and horrible thing. And yet it's the exact inverse of what gets praised. Other stuff out there. I thought this was interesting. Uh, wrestler CM Punk, who, if I'm being honest, I used to work with a guy uh, years ago at a different radio station who was a huge CM Punk fan, loved CM Punk. I talked about him all the time. But as a person that doesn't follow a lot of wrestling, I only have such a mild uh, understanding or appreciation of CM. I think he's from uh, the Illinois area or the Chicago or the Midwest area. I, I don't even know that totally. Uh, but anyway, over the weekend, and he's an AEW uh, wrestler now, uh, he gave a big speech about transgender kids. Uh, he said that – and this was on uh, in the ring after or, or maybe just before winning a match of some kind. And he got booed by some people there. 
Uh, but the biggest takeaway of this was that he supports everybody, uh, that he thinks everybody deserves to be treated uh, fairly and justly and, and, you know, that we can't uh, turn our, our backs to people in society, all that stuff, which I don't think anyone actually disagrees with. Now, here's the thing I'll say. I think when you say the simplistic statement of people need to be treated fairly, uh, people need to be treated, you know, um, uh, accurately or or um, the meritocracy part of our society needs to actually be in play, uh, equality of opportunity, uh, not equality of outcome. I think everybody agrees with that. I don't think any politicians or any conservatives or anyone is standing against any of those ideas, uh, which is so often, I think, missed in every part of these conversations and every part of these stances uh, that people take or that CM Punk took and then got booed and now is facing backlash about, uh, because that's the part that's an expansion of the conversation uh, that I think emboldens a lot of people uh, to say, see, we're the good guys and the other team's the bad guys. And I don't think anyone is against any of that. Live your own life however you want to live it. Uh, no one's telling you how to live your life. The exception to this thing and the thing that I think is rightfully getting a lot of criticism from CM Punk is the mentioning of, of kids. Uh, and he talked about on stage, and I had the audio, but it's, it's very um, hard to hear. it. I think it's someone's cell phone that caught it uh, at the event. So it's, it's not terribly valuable. Uh, but here's part of what he said. He goes, the reason I support trans kids, trans grownups, gay, straight, lesbian, whoever, is because I know when I was growing up, I didn't fit in anywhere. Uh, that is uh, that is uh, that it was, excuse me, because of the clothes I wore, what my hair looked like, the music I listened to. Those are all things that I can't rectify. And that's the reason, essentially, I'm now paraphrasing uh, that CM Punk stands for others. But and I don't even want to talk about this topic for all that long. It's just it's just out there again today. What I think the problem that people won't address is, are all the children in society right now who say that they feel a certain way or, or you know, think certain things about themselves going to change their mind? Are they right? Are they wrong? Uh, do the social pressures of today or the unique uh, instances and where someone gets propped up? If Like if you went to school, if you felt the same way that CM Punk feels and you went to school right now in a society we have, especially with the way that certain educators embrace and discuss some of these things. And you said out loud to kids who were being mean or teasing you or whatever, uh, that you thought you were something, um, something that society is very much trying to protect right now. The kids would all back off. The teachers would all tell them they're being mean, like everything would change for you overnight. And I don't know why we can't acknowledge that that, that reality exists, that, that the idea that people, uh, that young kids who are already, you know, going through a lot, and growing up and, and, you know, dealing with all the different confusing aspects of, of, of becoming adults, I might also notice uh, that there are some things that seem socially encouraged, not just okay, but encouraged right now uh, compared to other things. And that, that might that might simplify some stuff. It might even make you feel certain things are true that later on you feel aren't true. And I think that's all the conversation is actually about and stuffing ideology down people's throat who don't actually necessarily agree with every aspect of it. it. It's black and white. It's you've got to be all the way over here, all the way over there. Uh, politically, there's no there's no gray area. There's no in the middle. Uh, I think I talk about sometimes in the show how I feel like the politicians are so, so far apart. Uh, the right and the left are, are so uh, very much in their corners, divided on everything and and more extreme than ever. But it's not just the, the right and the left in the world of politics. It's a lot of people. Uh, who talk about a lot of these ideas, a lot of these things, 
a lot of these nuanced convers these complicated conversations and try to simplify them to the information you can put in a tweet and then say this is what is true, this is what is false, and if you don't agree or you do agree with this, then you're a good or a bad person. Uh, but that essentially, I think, is what CM Punk was trying to say uh, in his message is that uh, I want to support and care about people, and I don't want people to feel uh, like they can't be supported and cared about. And the reality is that I don't think anyone is actually fighting that fight. I just think they're fighting the other fights about what is and isn't actually going on uh, in our society or for any uh, individual's own kids. Uh, I don't know. I just saw another story about it. And I honestly, I'll say this and then I'll take a break. I told myself I'm not going to talk about these topics uh, as much as I've, I've been. Uh, not that I've ever talked about them that much, uh, but they're very hot button political issues, uh, especially LGBTQ stuff. And I'm just not in those worlds. I'm a straight man uh, who's married to a straight woman. Uh, I'm a white guy. And in all honesty, I don't have a lot of conversations where my life is impacted at all by some of the things that we talk about here. And so I thought to myself, I don't even know. These conversations shouldn't even be political. Uh, we shouldn't have politicians that are jumping on both sides of these issues. They shouldn't be political things to begin with. They're a distraction. Uh, in some ways. And the politicians who say that they're very much for certain things, I think, have crunched the numbers and realized that they're going to get votes if they say this as opposed to saying that. And that's, that's all that game is. Uh, but anyway, I saw CM Punk, a guy that a friend of mine really liked for a long time, uh, take the stage and become controversial uh, in just a, a one off um, you know, set of statements. And in all honesty, the, the heart of the message that I respect people is one that most people agree with. It's just how we go about as a society uh, having nuanced conversations uh, that happens to be the problem uh, because society uh, is not very interested in nuanced conversations uh, where there is a, a counter argument to some of the main arguments that legacy media props up. All right. Enough, enough sandbox, enough preaching. I'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll do other things. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show on a Monday. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, Craig Collins Show. Lots of stuff to talk about. haagen in the news in a way that's easy for me uh, to discuss. Uh, they're trying to make a breakfast ice cream. <laughs> I've eaten Oreos for breakfast and talked about it on the show before. 309-340-4464 is the phone number to text if you want. 309-340-4464. And an Oreo for breakfast move is not a good move. You don't feel great the rest of the day when you eat Oreos first thing in the morning. Uh, but I feel like it's pretty similar to the the things you might eat. It's got a lot of sugar like a donut or anything would. Uh, and there's milk involved uh, with the way I eat. Anyway, I'm not going to advocate for my Oreo move. I know it's bad. Uh, but ice cream in the morning seems equally bad. Uh, this seems like the kind of thing a dad might do when he's alone with the kids, uh, when mom is left for the weekend and pop goes, what do you want for breakfast, kids? And they say ice cream. And he goes, all right, fine. There's food in that. Uh, let's go ahead and do it uh, in honor of Father's Day. Uh, there we go is how I throw out uh, the description of a dad. But I guess it's actually like yogurt. Uh, it's a thicker and creamier than normal yogurt yogurt version of a thing. Uh, it's got more calories, of course, uh, than most breakfast things would. They're calling it cultured cream uh, brought to you by Haagen-Dazs. Uh, it's actually just 60 calories, uh, less than a scoop of actual Haagen-Dazs ice cream. Uh, so it's, it's um, as I said, pretty uh, significant in the world of a decision you make. And, and I just, you know what I'd have to envision? This is the reason I thought this story was kind of funny today. Uh, my wife's gone out of town. She'll be back on Wednesday night. If on Thursday morning we woke up and she saw me crack open something that said Haagen-Dazs on it and also was a breakfast thing, 
uh, she would never go away again. She'd be like, I can't, I can't leave this man alone anymore for any amount of time because the decisions you make are terrible. Um, there are a lot of sugary breakfasts, though, so this is just one more example of it, apparently. Uh, but it's supposed to be reminiscent of ice cream uh, if you can't wait till the afternoon or the, the evening to have your ice cream fix or you just listen to our president, and it sounds like it's the only thing he does all the time. He just loves and gets ice cream, and sometimes we inform him he's in charge of the country right now, and he just nods his head and goes back to his ice cream, or maybe his breakfast ice cream. I'm not even sure. Uh, I saw this story. I like this. Uh, this is way out there in the world of crazy things. Uh, there's a dude named Rex. He went viral on social media because he said he made friends with Elvis. Uh, Elvis, not the deceased performer, but a fish. Uh, he is a deep-sea diver, uh, Rex. So every year, he meets up with his pal Elvis and puts it up on social media, and people seem to really like it. Uh, he claims it's the same fish. There's no real uh, things that demonstrate that this crawfish is indeed the Elvis crawfish, uh, but he says they're, they're friends, and so it's just like an agreement. They know where to go. They know what time to be there. I know that animals have uniquely valuable memories and whatnot, uh, but the biggest thing I had as a reaction to this story is how unfair uh, the world of media is today and how you can become popular, successful, and even make money uh, if you just claim that you're friends with a fish. <laughs> I can't even finish that sentence without laughing at it. And just show up and put up a video and then get millions of likes and uh, put a couple commercials for it. I mean, uh, Rex, the, the friend with fish guy, uh, might eventually be you know selling products in a local pet smart, I imagine, at some point in the future. Uh, he lives in Wisconsin, by the way. And he travels all the way um, to, um, you know, uh, take a, a deep uh, dive in the ocean and be with his fish friend uh, that who knows. <laughs> I still can't say that without uh, immediately going there. All right. I love this. Uh, this audio is fun. Uh, this is a guy who's doing a backyard weather report. Uh, we have these sometimes if, if severe weather happens during the show. And actually, I've even volunteered with this station to cover severe weather when I'm not here. Uh, don't ever get that call. That, that bat phone never rings. Uh, but whenever we do it during the show, um, I, I know that people will call in or people will text in photos and things as far as reports go from wherever they are in the community. Actually, Dan DiOrio is even great at this. Uh, whenever I have severe weather happen during the show, uh, Dan will usually say he can call in and update us from his backyard. Uh, this guy in Texas was doing the same thing. He was creating a live weather report for a media uh, outlet uh, nearby him. And apparently, while he was doing his his fake weather report on a video uh, to send in to, to text or whatever email in, um, he had a bolt of lightning shoot just very close behind him. And this is what that sounds like. Recording live in the backyard. <laughs> I love this audio so much. I'm going to play that again. Uh, as he first starts the reporting live from the backyard, it's it's an amazing. I'll put the video up on Facebook.com uh, slash Greg Collins show. Like the lightning is pretty close behind him. And that's just an authentic reaction from a human being who was uh, doing his his extra part and being an intern for the, the few minutes uh, like anybody else that sends, uh, as I said, weather reports into us. Reporting live in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just go inside, uh, but I would not keep reporting on that weather. I would decide that you got lucky, that God saved your life in that moment, and that you need to be indoors for the rest of the day, maybe rest of the week, maybe rest of the month. Maybe uh, don't leave at all. Um, that makes sense to me. Um, all right, one other story, and I feel like I've talked about this a little bit before, but maybe not as specific as I will here. Uh, there are artificial intelligence companies that are trying to create 
AI versions of, of famous people, uh, whether it's a social media influencer uh, who's doing it herself to try to make a bunch of money off of it. That story went viral like a month ago. Uh, there are also people who are trying to find, you know, historically valuable individuals, uh, give the computer a bunch of information and then ask the, the AI to behave like the person. Uh, there's a new chatbot uh, that's shaped after Jesus. It's called Ask Jesus. It's streaming on the gaming platform Twitch, and it stands ready to answer your questions on anything. Humans, morality, video games, super-powered rodents is a question that it got asked recently. Um, but the AI version of Jesus essentially is just being asked ridiculously crazy questions, like in the middle of nowhere, out there in the world questions um, by gamers. And so I don't know what kind of value this is having on society, but the, the AI uh, usually just um, gives answers based on actually historically accurate information and things like the Bible. So it's not, it's not completely damaging to me. It's just a weird thing uh, that exists. Uh, but one such question asked of AI Jesus by a gamer recently is if we consider a hamster with a dynamo on its wheel as a means of generating energy, then would it have a technological advantage over a hamster without a dynamo on its wheel as the first hamster would be able to contribute some form of energy production and the second hamster would not? And the AI Jesus, I guess, said, um, please give me more information about this exact topic. So I don't know if it was created for people that wanted to make fun of of faith, um, but if you actually gave, uh, and Catholic Craig coming out here, enough relevant information to an artificial intelligence to give you answers reminiscent of, of uh, Jesus, then it probably will do no harm in our society. Uh, but unfortunately, so far, the gamers on Twitch that are using it are essentially just pranking it uh, more so than anything else. Uh, but it's there. It's out there. And I figured it was uh, a thing worth reporting on the show. Um, but yes, uh, ask questions like if my hamster can generate energy, is it valuable to society are things that it's fielded so far. Uh, quick break. Will's got the news. 1470. 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, we haven't talked about Trump at all today. I've talked about Casey DeSantis a few times, I guess, uh, by connection, uh, Ron DeSantis, since that's his wife. Uh, but not a lot of Trump today. But here we go. Uh, first, a judge has ordered uh, Trump not to disclose evidence in the classified documents case, uh, which, according to uh, Democrats, I'm sure, is a protection of our country from Trump recklessly uh, giving any sort of classified information to the general public, even if that information might defend him from some of the things that he's accused of being in the world of these um, court cases, especially this uh, federal case. If you're not on the uh, Democratic or the hate Trump side of the aisle, uh, you might say that it's um, odd or bad or certainly uh, tampering in the world of our elections to tell a, a currently leading candidate on the Republican side of the aisle, that he can't defend himself uh, by giving certain information or evidence uh, to the general public as uh, people are one to decide whether or not to vote for him, somewhat based on, at least according to some of those same reports, that same legacy media, uh, whether or not he is guilty or innocent of this crime, uh, this crime that he probably won't actually face a decision by a jury until after uh, the election is over. At least that's my assumption on it, the 37 criminal counts in the federal case. Um, but here, this is what is also going to be all over the news for the next 24 hours or more. Uh, Fox News had a sit down with President with former President Trump. Uh, Trump has been very critical of Fox recently and some of the things they share, uh, poll numbers and whatnot about him, even over the weekend. Uh, there was a poll that was shared by Fox that I think indicated that Biden would beat Trump 
in a, a general election. And um, Trump on Truth Social said that that poll was old and flawed for a variety of reasons, because there are other polls that certainly say that Trump would beat Biden and that actually DeSantis would probably beat Biden. So polls are all over the place on, on some or mostly, I think, actually, mo- almost all polls show uh, that Trump would beat Biden outside of maybe a couple. But anyway, those things are relevant. Those things matter. Uh, but Trump still sat down with Brett Baer. Uh, here is what Brett Baer said. I'll play the, the Trump cut that's out right now. But it's a teaser. It's a highlight. The full interview is coming up uh, later. Um, but first, I want to play what Brett said when he popped up on Fox. Uh, this just happened uh, a little while ago, and I, I successfully found it. Um, uh, as far as the sit down, the conversation, uh, his sense of, of Trump in general, here's a little bit of what was said uh, just a little bit ago by the guy who did the interview uh, for Fox on Fox. Listen, Defiant is definitely uh, part of the answer, but he really denies flatly uh, some of the things that are specifically laid out in the indictment. And and I talk about, in further questioning after this, about the indictment and the recording of um, what is alleged to be his voice uh, saying that he did not declassify these documents when he was president. Now he can't, and they're top secret and highly confidential, and then shows them uh, to people according to the indictment. I press him on all of that. He denies it. He says that uh, he did not have a document about Iran uh, war plans. Um, You know, for a federal judge that issues this uh, order that he can't talk to other people in the case, nor can he talk about specifics in the case, he went far down uh, in specifics. And, you know, we, as he started talking, I followed up and pressed on a number of different issues. Here's the thing, and I will say this before I even play the one uh, cut that is out there, because I'm not going to not play it, um, the cut we have so far, as far as what Trump actually said to Brett uh, Bear in the one question uh, that I think is already a teaser out there. Um, but how interesting is the idea that the federal court system would refuse to let a candidate running for the office of president talk about things, whatever way he wants to talk. That That is election, no matter what you think about it, no matter how much it makes sense in the the world of, of our legal system and, and how people can't go out and say certain things, um, you know, prejudiced juries, whatever the, the accusation would be that Trump is doing. But essentially, we accused you of something. And now you've got to go through the process of defending yourself in courts and you cannot defend yourself out there in public the way you want to or the way you you may need to in order to remain a viable candidate for president. That is interfering with our election um, no matter what you think. Uh, Trump can be guilty. He can be in it. It doesn't matter. Uh, the fact that they're going to censor the way he speaks about something that might be a a and it might not be uh, a decision making point, at least for independent uh, voters, is it's insane. Uh, but here's the clip that's gone viral. People are already uh, reacting to it online. It's the only thing we have so far. And before I even play this, I will say that I want politicians, uh, Republican, Democrat, I don't care who you are. I want politicians that are willing to go in front of people, in front of media, whoever it is. It can be Fox. It can be C. It can be anybody and take hard questions and answer hard questions. And we do not have that with this current administration. It does not exist. Um, Our White House press secretary often says, go talk to somebody else if she gets a hard question in the briefing room. Um, But we want this, no matter who it is, Republican or Democrat, uh, you want someone sitting down. And Brett Baird did not ask easy questions and literally read from the indictment, an indictment that I myself read, and Trump responded to it. 
I don't know how this can be shaped as anything other than valuable. And again, how any of the information shared by the former president isn't somewhat connected to whether or not he can win his uh, election try or his his nomination try in the Republican Party and thus really shouldn't be censored uh, by anyone anywhere in the world of our judicial system. But here it is. Oh, wait, hold on one second. Make sure this actually plays for you because it's going to be uh, valuable to hear all of it and not just hear part of it. Let's do this and try again. Please, please, could we have it back? And they please, for because they have no... We they were no hold on, I want, I want the full context. I lost a little bit of that clip, so let's, let's back up just a bit. Here we the go. The only way NARA could ever get this stuff, this back would be, please, 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 could we have it back? And they please. asked for that. Because they have no... We they were did talking. ask for it. No. And they said, I gave can you give some, the documents back? And we were talking. And then they said they went to DOJ to subpoena you to get them Which back. they've never done before. Right. And in but why fairness, not just hand them over then? Because I had boxes. I want to go through the boxes and get all my personal things out. I don't want to hand that over to NARA yet. And I was very busy, as you've sort of seen. Yeah, but according to the indictment, you then tell this aide to move to other locations after telling your lawyers to say you'd fully complied with the subpoena when you hadn't. But before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out. These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things. So if you if you hate Trump, if you're a Trump derangement syndrome person or just anybody that's positive uh, that Trump committed uh, crimes even before uh, any proof comes out that Trump committed crimes, then you probably hear all that and you think it's ridiculous. Ah, how dare he want to look through these documents and boxes of things uh, that he had in his uh, home uh, that he was being subpoenaed to return uh, back to uh, the government um, that he did not uh, look through. There, There is in the subpoena several references to Trump wanting to move boxes around. Uh, telling aides, at least that's the accusation, um, even as they're working, quote unquote, with the government to turn stuff over that the government is asking for. And even lawyers who are showing up and trying to turn over documents out of the government. Um, Trump's the only one who's not really going through it. He's just asking people to move stuff to other places to essentially hide it uh, from the government so he can look through it later. Now, I'm not going to defend uh, Trump's position on this per se, uh, but I do think it's interesting because, again, when you compare this to anything else, when you compare it to and I know the whataboutisms that uh, are abound here make everybody mad because if you're Trump derangement, he's guilty. He's did stuff wrong. Uh, he has to uh, be thrown in the hooskow for it. And no one else did anything wrong. Uh, Hillary Clinton had her legal team uh, look stuff up and then destroy uh, 33,000 emails and then tell the government those were personal. You don't need them anyway. That's essentially what Trump is saying. He wanted to look through the documents, decide what was personal, decide what he could keep and what he, he couldn't keep, and then give other stuff back at a later date. Uh, did he take too long? Uh, should he have done it differently? Did he actually commit crimes? Uh, I think the answer to that might actually be yes, if the indictment is proven in court. Uh, but it doesn't sound like his his um, process was all that different from the process of other politicians who got um, – stuck in things similar to this. And Hillary is actually probably the best example. Uh, She worked with the government uh, after they asked for her to return her electronic uh, records of things. And then she eventually deleted a whole bunch of stuff. And in another part of the indictment, uh, this is the claim. I don't know for sure, because as Brett Baer says, Trump denies a lot of these things. Uh, In the indictment, it says that at one point, uh, Trump told one of his lawyers that Hillary Clinton bleached, uh, bit bleach, which is a program, 33,000 of her emails, uh, so you couldn't recover them. They were just gone and took a hammer to two cell phones, uh, something that an aide admitted to the FBI they did. Anyone that thinks that's a conspiracy theory, uh, someone who worked for Hillary Clinton said, yeah, I destroyed two of her cell phones with a hammer. Uh, But anyway, they did all that. 
Uh, they looked through all that information to decide what was and wasn't personal. And Trump told one of his lawyers they could do that, too. And they could essentially destroy, uh, much like she destroyed electronic information, uh, which actually means like bonfire and burning stuff. Anything that they decide is personal that the uh, NARA, the National Archives and Records Administration, uh, can't have. Uh, but that is that is exactly what happened. Someone challenge me and tell me I'm wrong about that. 309-340-4464. If you're listening to me right now and thinking I'm ridiculously biased on one side of the aisle and how dare I say anything in defense of Trump, uh, give me a message. Send me a text, 309-340-4464, and tell me how what I'm getting is, is wrong. Uh, tell me how the Hillary Clinton uh, email fiasco or whatever you want to call it isn't similar to the uh trump uh keeping classified documents in his house it, it, the only difference being something's electronic as opposed to something being a physical piece of paper but it's it's very similar even the defiance in returning things that you're being told you have to return to the government and then in hillary's case uh capably destroying a whole bunch of stuff that she then tells the government they didn't need anyway because it's personal stuff and Trump failing to do that or at least potentially do that according to the the accusation in the indictment um because his uh um Mar-a-Lago eventually gets raided and they take all the documents out that he still wanted and who knows if he actually went through them or not I'm sure there's a lot of ups and downs here uh, that you can go to peaks and valleys uh, in the conversation that you're not going to have definitive answers to. Uh, but I just I don't truly see the difference, understand the difference at all. And if you want, again, to accuse me of being biased, that's fine. On this issue, I would love anyone to challenge it and to provide me actual context how it's different. Because I think at the end of the day, what you believe, who's ever listening to the show, depends on who you support. If you support Democrats and supported Hillary, then you think anything she did was probably honest and 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 true or probably not. There's probably not an extreme version of that. You probably admit that there was some wrongdoing uh, there uh, when you actually admit that she took uh, hammers to phones and, and destroyed um, electronic records of things. Uh, but at the same time, then saying that Trump is alone uh, in facing actual charges and that that's not – uh, unfair prosecution of just one politician or one political party. I don't understand. I don't how you get both steps. If you go to step one and say that both teams at some point very recently uh, did something like this, uh, of course, Biden kept classified documents that he shouldn't have. Um, Pence did. Other people did. But Hillary Clinton fully tried to defy and did defy uh, the things the government was telling her to do to cooperate with returning classified information to them. That is literally identical uh, to Trump. And again, the only real difference is uh, the way in which this information was stored. And if you paid attention last week, as far as the hack that happened in the United States, electronic documents aren't safe uh, just because they're electronic and not physical pieces of paper. Anyone that tells me the paper was more risky, it was more out there in the world, more likely uh, to fall in the wrong hands, doesn't understand at all how much more risky electronic information is than physical documents. Uh, because actually, I would say that, that having paper and no electronic um, representation of something probably makes it much more secure uh, than the opposite. And, of course, the fact that Trump was the president and Hillary Clinton was not when she had a whole bunch of stuff that wound up getting out into the world and easily found by others uh, that was classified and shouldn't have been out. And the, and the one other defense I heard, by the way, and I'm very interested, I'll watch this whole interview uh, with Trump on Fox. Uh, the one other defense I've heard of Hillary is that none of her emails said that the stuff she was talking about was classified. So she wouldn't know. She'd be confused. She'd be like, who knows if this uh, government information that I'm responding to in my government role is public or private? I have no idea. But that's another very flimsy, very terrible defense. 
And it matters to make that distinction, by the way, not just to blame uh, crooked Hillary or the Democrats for being terrible people or whatever it is, uh, but to demonstrate the most important uh, distinction uh, being made is that Trump is uniquely facing charges that other, other politicians don't face even when they commit the same crimes. And it feels like a slam dunk as far as an argument goes. Now, but again, that looks like a very interesting, very candid interview. Uh, I'm sure everyone won't describe it as honest, uh, but um, wide ranging and uh, an interview where the person who got the chance to talk to Trump challenged him, uh, which you'll decide at the end if you think it was right or wrong in doing it. Uh, but it definitely sounds like something a lot of people will be talking about tomorrow. All right. Quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, one of my favorite places to go in town, and I talk about a lot, is the Peoria Heights VFW. Uh, 2602 is the post number there. Their address, 1505 East Lake Ave, uh, Peoria Heights, uh, just a couple blocks uh, east off a of prospect on Lake. Uh, 309-682-9875 is the phone number. 309-682-9875. You give them a call. Uh, they do a bunch of philanthropic stuff, uh, which moves me. Uh, the amount of things that the people behind the VFW, uh, Quartermaster Eric is on the show a lot, but it's not just him. It's a whole group of people that do this and vote on this and find ways to give back and unique things in our community to support um, just demonstrates uh, the value of people who uh, serve and protect our country and then come home and then still want to serve and protect our communities uh, whatever way they can. Uh, it's also just a, a fun bar. Uh, it's got a pool table that's usually open. Uh, it's got a giant entertainment space in the back that you can rent out and do stuff. Uh, there's um, gambling machines uh, where you can lose a little bit of money and then say that you just donated to the VFW, which is fine, or you can win. Uh, one guy has won a bunch of money there. I think uh, twice over the past few years has won uh, like more than a million dollars. Uh, so maybe the machines are uniquely lucky. I can't uh, promise that, but I don't know. At least for one dude, they, they seem to be. Uh, and a bunch of bartenders who are uh, very uh, cool people and then remember your drink so well that when I walk in the door, they're already putting it down on the counter for me. And they offer the unique service to my wife of checking on me when she's in Mexico, which I don't know if they'll do that for everybody, uh, but I love that too. But check out the Peoria Heights VFW. Uh, tomorrow is Taco Tuesday. Uh, Betty says the best tacos in town. Although get them with corn tortillas. Uh, corn tortillas is the more uh, Mexican authentic way. Uh, to go. All right. One other quick thing, and then we'll take a break. We'll do some news. I'll do the top five at five after. Uh, I saw this story in the New York Post about a unique new treatment to make you look younger, uh, which costs like $3,000. It only lasts like four to six months, and then you got to do it again. Uh, you can put it in your face or other places like lifts and stuff, but it's it's made from tissue of dead people. I don't know how to say that differently. It's it's human cadavers uh, that are needed to unlock the secrets of looking younger, uh, according to some of the people that are doing this and the, the people who are um, well off enough or interested enough in this sort of thing to have these sort of treatments. I don't seem to care for other people. This seems wrong uh, that in order to, to treat your, your age, uh, some tissue, something I don't understand all the science about it. Uh, needs to be removed from human cadavers. Uh, that seems like a, a move too far. That that seems like the, you know, what Soylent Green actually is a thing, uh, just in a different way in the world of beauty. Uh, I do not want an unusual injectable like that uh, in my face at any time for any reason. And I think NYU was one of the places that had talked about this with the New York Post. 1470, 100.3 WMBD, top five at five on the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff. 
uh, to talk about, as I just said a second ago, here's the top five in no particular order, according to me. Uh, the first one, Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State, uh, goes to China. Uh, last minute meeting with Xi Jinping. That's something that people are reporting wasn't necessarily planned. The United States was asking for it. And China was like, we don't know. Maybe. Maybe we won't. And then eventually they do meet together. Uh, even CNN, uh, I can play that audio first, described this as a scolding tone that Chinese officials had uh, with uh, Secretary Blinken. So here's a little of that. Well, there was an almost scolding tone from the Chinese president to Secretary Blinken uh, in advance of their meeting in which he said something along the lines of, I hope you, uh, Secretary Blinken, and America will do more to improve the relationship, clearly putting the onus on the U.S. and therefore implying it, it's the U.S. that has been the problem here. Now, it's the U.S.'s fault that at times you've said stuff like we flew a spy balloon over your country when we didn't do that, but we did do that. <laughs> Or that you, uh, for a while, uh, may have said that we have information about COVID that we're refusing to share with anybody, including the World Health Organization, because, well, we have information about COVID that we're refusing to share with the World Health Organization or anybody, or even the Taiwan stuff, uh, which is probably how uh, President Xi Jinping said it, I imagine, is Taiwan is ours. Uh, leave it alone. Stop uh, visiting and going there and doing stuff that makes us mad. Uh, we're getting very mad at you. And Blinken just bended the knee. Uh, more or less the entire time. Here's a little bit of what he said uh, while he was there. On Taiwan, I reiterated the longstanding U.S. One China policy. Uh, that policy has not changed. It's guided by the Taiwan Relations Act, the three joint communiques, the six assurances. We do not support Taiwan independence. We remain opposed to any unilateral changes to the status quo by either side. We continue to expect the peaceful resolution of cross-strait differences. We want them to do nothing. We want everything to stay the same the way it is now. If China invades Taiwan, uh, we're supposed to be willing to give military assistance via weapons and stuff to Taiwan to defend itself, uh, just like we're doing with Ukraine, with Russia. Uh, but we're not supposed to wage that war with them, even though our president has said that he would put boots on the ground. He would send troops to defend Taiwan. And then he's been corrected by his own administration, including Anthony Blinken, before uh, for saying that. But China scolded us and we, we took it uh, for some reason. Here's a little bit more Blinken said about the meeting. But an aspect of that that really is important is military to military. Mm -hmm. We don't have an agreement on that yet. It's something we're going to keep working. I made very clear to our Chinese counterparts the importance that we attach uh, to that, uh, something that is also profoundly in their interest, because, again, we both agree that we want to, uh, at the very least, make sure that we don't inadvertently have a conflict because of miscommunication. Yeah, we don't want to inadvertently. Of, uh, misunderstanding. We don't want to inadvertently have a conflict because China gets upset with something we say and we don't tell them we're sorry for the thing. That, that's essentially what I hear there uh, because China has been more provocative with us than we've been with them. Uh, they are flying spy balloons over our country. That's a thing that's happening. And yet we're now sitting there saying we don't want to get um, a miscommunication. We don't want to get confused about anything. We want to make sure to keep the communication lines open so that we can tell them that we're sorry whenever they feel the need to ask us to say we're sorry, and then they're not going to tell us anything we want. It's, it's crazy. It, it, this is crazy. Uh, but yes, Blinken went, um, as I said, not really planning at the start, but very much asking, and then eventually getting a meeting with Xi Jinping, uh, where even CNN says we just got yelled at and took it um, from a, a country that has ideological differences from us and always will have ideological differences from us. And anyone anywhere uh, in the world that tells you that our politicians agree on stuff 
uh, is not telling the whole story because it's not possible for us to get to uniform agreement with their government. I'm not trying to, to criticize uh, people uh, who live in China, but I don't know why I have to make this statement, but I will very quickly just say it for anyone that's like, this is racist. He hates everybody. No, the government in China is not the kind of government I want here in this country, and you don't want it either. And it's weird to watch our politicians, our leaders, uh, say things that are uniquely designed to make China like us more, um, because even though they've been provocative, uh, their stance is, is very different than ours, and they have uh, no interest in, in changing uh, their stances or being honest about any stuff that we would question. All right. Other things out there, uh, as far as our president goes, uh, he is ramping up his campaign. Uh, he announced $600 million in additional climate investments. Uh, and then also, um, apparently, according to several news outlets or legacy media uh, liberal outlets like MSNBC, uh, he's doing great. Everything's awesome. He's got no challengers. Uh, the world is his oyster, essentially, according to uh, those outlets. Let's play one of those. It's part of a trajectory, right? You start with the base, maybe save money uh, until you actually get a serious challenger because you don't have one in the primary um, and and just wait for the general to really ramp things up. What do you make of it, Susan? <laughs> well, you know, Joe Biden has the great luxury of not having a credible primary opponent. As Matt, the same situation Matt faced with George W. Bush, it's the situation George, his father, George H.W. Bush, did not face. He had no choice but to get into an early and really vigorous and wounding campaign. Yeah, there's nobody they could possibly put out there on the Democratic side that in any way, shape or form is better than the current president, according to MSNBC. So he's great. He doesn't have to campaign. It's not like he won the 2020 election. Um, I know that some people think he didn't win the 2020 election by hiding in a basement, and not really campaigning anyway. This is just a move that's a byproduct of how awesome he is at his job. Uh, at least one guest on CNN said different things, though. Here we go. I think what the Biden administration is challenged by, in addition to what Bill just laid out, is that what people are feeling at home is different than the message they're portraying. <laughs> and they understand that there's what? a conflict there. No. Um, they do have a record. They do have accomplishments. But they also know that people at home still think gas is too high. It, it might is. be lower than what it was a year ago. It's still way too but high. they still say there's pain at the pump. The there same is. thing at the grocery store. There's pain with there. With prices, with, with the the... The price of goods, their rent going up, all these things that people say they don't think they're in a great financial position. We're not. So it's hard for them to receive a message from the president <laughs> saying, hey, you guys are doing, doing better. better. Look what I've done. It's just I think there's a disconnect there. Yeah, no, I think it's not a disconnect. I think it's purposeful dishonesty uh, there uh, when you get into office and say you're going to wage war against oil and gas. And then that is a portion of why uh, the price of everything skyrockets upward. And then you eventually uh, start to change a little bit in that stance, uh, but also some of those other tensions ease to make the price go down through no fault of your own. And then you say, look, things are better. We made them worse, and now they're slightly better than when they were really terrible, but they're still worse than before I got in office. But you should be grateful uh, that things got – it'd be like if your friend was punching you in the face and then stopped punching you in the face and started just kicking you in the foot or kicking you in the shins and being like, hey, I'm not punching you in the face anymore. Where's the gratitude toward the lack of face punches? Uh, it's something else, uh, the uh, conversations there. And actually, our president did also uh, say this when he was talking about guns. Um, this is, feels like a different top five at five conversation. Made it harder for people to buy stabilized bra braces. Put a pistol on a brace, it turns into a gun. 
Makes it more, you can have a higher caliber weapon, a higher caliber bullet coming out of that gun. No, you can't. That's not a thing you do. That's not a thing that braces do for guns. That's not a thing that makes any sense at all. There's even now a, a check um, where readers added context on Twitter. Uh, where I found this audio to play for you on the show. And so I pulled up the the um, the context and the link to all the context, which is great. Uh, one would assume Biden is referring to a stabilizing brace, uh, which is an attachment to AR pistols, stabilizing brace straps onto the forearm to allow you for an easier hold and to stabilize a, a pistol. That's why it's called a stabilizing brace. It does not do anything to modify the ballistics, capacity, et cetera, of the weapon. Uh, of the gun, of whatever it is you're putting a stabilizing brace on. Uh, Biden doesn't seem to know that. Uh, it was the best possible version of statement there. Uh, shifting gears to the leading contender on the Republican side of the aisle uh, for the presidency, uh, Trump will be sitting down and having a conversation on Fox with Brett Baer. It seems like it's going to be a very, very interesting conversation, and I'll play you a little snippet of audio that's already been put out by Fox in a second. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to talk about, as top five at five, the uh, court ruling that says that Trump and his legal team can't put information out that essentially defends Trump at all on any or any information at all, really. I mean, the intention, I am sure, by the lawyers and by Trump would be to add a different narrative out of the conversation surrounding those federal uh, charges, um, but they're not allowed. Uh, a U.S. judge in Florida on Monday ordered defense lawyers from former uh, President Donald Trump's team to not release evidence in a classified documents case to the media or the public. Uh, that's according to the court filing. Um, a U.S. magistrate judge, uh, Bruce Reinhardt, is the one that did this. Uh, the discovery materials, along with any information derived therefrom, shall not be disclosed to the public or the news media or disseminated on any news or social media platform without prior written notice and consent from the United States and approval of the court. So this is officially, in my opinion, not that it wasn't already, but actually tampering with how Trump will run his campaign, uh, which is interfering in the election which is a thing that matters no matter what. If you think he's guilty or innocent, I'm not saying you just um, publish all the classified documents out there for the world to see, uh, but you made this into a voter issue, uh, you being the, the government or the judicial system that chooses to go after him. You made it into an issue that has relevance to the American people because Trump is running for the office of president. You could have waited. They could have chosen not to bring charges for a little bit longer or a while longer and not have it take place during the heart of this election. However, I'm sure a lot of people would realize that if Trump won the election and then became president, he could just dismiss all this and it would all just go away. Uh, he could just um, decide that it's it's you know over. Um, and so maybe that's the reason you push forward. I don't know. But there's no denying whether he's guilty or innocent, that this is now relevant to the election, which means that it's tampering in the election, uh, just uh, just in the most basic uh, sense. And actually, also, I'll play this audio. Uh, this is Chris Christie. I'm probably not going to get to a top five today. Their top three feels good enough. Uh, but Christie is saying how he's going to do anything and everything he can to get on a debate stage to ruin Trump, uh, because Christie, his only goal is to, I think, um, remove Trump, which some Republicans might like and certainly um, – People who want to support only Trump will not like. Uh, but I'll be honest, this, it's a weird like reason to try. You don't have any interest in actually winning or think you can win. Uh, it seems to be, and he said it on the State of the Union, that this is his one and only uh, goal, uh, more or less. I will do what I need to do to be up on that stage to try to save my party and save my country from going down the road of being led by three-time loser Donald Trump. Loser in 2018 by losing the House, loser in 2020 by losing the White House and the United States Senate, 
and the worst midterm performance we've seen in a long, long time, led by Donald Trump's selected candidates with Donald Trump as the main issue in many of those races. I, he doesn't even have to, like, say his own name. Uh, Christie doesn't have to say that he's running. He just he should change his name in any sort of ballot anywhere if he gets on any ballot to not Trump as far as what his goal is, uh, which is which is odd, as I said. But there is a lot uh, more to come in that conversation, too. Uh, as I said, some of the uh, pieces of the Brett Baer conversation are already being um, put out as far as. Um, uh, a reason to go watch tonight when uh, Brett Baer sits down with Trump for a candid conversation that feels incredibly relevant uh, to a lot of people. Uh, here's a, a clip of that uh, that Brett Baer himself put up on Twitter. The way NARA could ever get this stuff, this back, would be please, 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 could we have it back? And they please. asked for that. Because they have no... We they were did talking. ask for it. No. And they said, can you give some, the documents back? And we were talking. And then they said they went to DOJ to subpoena you to get them Which back. they've never done before. Right. And in all why fairness, not just hand them over then? Because I had boxes. I want to go through the boxes and get all my personal things out. I don't want to hand that over to NARA yet. And I was very busy, as you've sort of seen. Yeah, but I've according very, to the indictment, you then tell this aide to move to other locations after telling your lawyers to say you'd fully complied with the subpoena when you hadn't. But before I send boxes over, I have to take all of my things out. These boxes were interspersed with all sorts of things. So i got to be honest, um, anyone that's going to be like, oh, Trump did an interview with Fox News, uh, anyone that wants him to be held um, feet to the fire. Uh, that's Fox is going to be too nice to him. Those are the questions anyone else in media would ask him. Uh, and holding the indictment as Brett Baer is asking those questions and as Trump is saying what he says in his own defense of that, uh, it does feel like a must-watch conversation. And I'm sure people have very strong opinions about it uh, after you see all of it. Um, but he, he says that his stance is he wanted to go through uh, boxes of information uh, that he was being asked to return, and he didn't want to return until he had the time to go through it, and they didn't give him enough time to go through it. Uh, and I'll just say this, because it, it feels that, you know what, I'll, I'll say it this way, because I've been saying it a lot, and I'll probably say it more. I didn't talk about Hillary's emails uh, for the two years I've been at this radio station. I haven't, I haven't brought them up. It hasn't been a conversation that mattered. That election was over. Hillary Clinton not necessarily in the public eye. So I haven't been a guy that's been like, chanting lock her up on my radio show or even when the election in that was going on like that wasn't necessarily where i was going with any of that uh, but hillary clinton definitely did a lot of very similar things uh, to trump uh, she had uh, 60 plus thousand uh, electronic email communications that she did get a subpoena uh, from a grand jury to give back to the government so that is she denied the subpoena by the way too and I found articles from 2016, 2017 uh, from all different kinds of, of left-leaning uh, publications, CNN, the Hill, whoever it is, saying that, yes, she definitely got uh, a subpoena and definitely was told to turn stuff over. And then an IT guy deleted 33,000 of those emails uh, using a program. And then an um, aide smashed two computers with a hammer – or no, two uh, cell phones with a hammer. Uh, but she didn't defy it. She didn't try to not say yes to the things that were subpoenaed of her. And um, there was even a failed attempt – to get some of these documents. So, like, the government never got their hands on half of the electronic communications that Hillary Clinton had sent to a private server uh, that definitely shouldn't have been sent there because they were classified information, and she put them out in the public in a technology. As a guy that loves technology, this is a very funny, nuanced thing to me because physical box of piece of paper is easy for a lot of people to comprehend. Uh, digital um, communication 
that could be found as a file on a computer somewhere uh, just seems so different. It's actually much easier to organize, by the way. You could essentially type into a search, hey, find me all the emails that say this word in them or this uh, country in them or whatever it is that I want to delete. And then you could just choose to delete all those ones by asking the IT professional to use Bleach Bit or Bit Bleach. I can't remember which one it's called, a program that makes them unrecoverable. Uh, but that, that all happened. And so now I talk about Hillary a lot because it seems like the easiest comparison to what Trump's going through. And the FBI chose not to do anything uh, with Hillary. You remember that. And they said that she's completely uh, innocent and exonerated uh, just before the 2016 election. Because what, what was it that her campaign was saying? Oh, yeah, that it was interfering with the election uh, to accuse her of something and to go through a, a legal process that she never really went through. Uh, she never got indicted or anything like that. Um, but even the the idea that she could get indicted was enough for her campaign to complain and enough for the uh, branches of government to eventually back down. Man, how does that uh, sound at all relevant to what's going on today? I don't know. Uh, but that's the top five at five. Quick break. 1470, 100.3 WMBD, uh, Craig Collins show. Good story, bad story time. It's Monday. We're just going to do the good story. Uh, we'll let the bad story happen maybe after the news. Uh, but I like this one. I actually like two of these. Uh, a Father's Day gift that a 42-year-old Marine decided to give himself, uh, the Marine's name is James, is he took a job at a grocery store, a second job. That doesn't sound like a gift. That doesn't sound uh, fun at all. Um, the reason he did that is because his 19-year-old daughter works there, and he wanted to spend more time with her. And the daughter is thrilled. Anyone that thinks that this parent is being intense, uh, the daughter has a smiling photo up on social media uh, looking into the camera and saying, it's great that Pop works there now. Uh, that's, I love that story. I love how cool that is. He's like, I miss my daughter. She used to be home more. Now she's working, and I, I want to go work too. So does the grocery store, um, are they looking for anybody else? I'm in. And then the other good story, um, a very old lobster by the name of Lenny the Lobster was pardoned by uh, Peter's Clam Bar. Uh, this is in Long Island. The lobster is 111 years old. They uh, freed him. They put him out to sea. Uh, apparently, lobsters can live a long time, so he's likely to live another 50 years out in the wild, and he's been an attraction there for a bit. Uh, this is the second time that that restaurant has gone viral for releasing a lobster. In 2016, Larry the Lobster, who was 130, was let go and pardoned. So they do this in honor of Father's Day. Uh, they release a, a old lobster from captivity at the restaurant, and then media, uh, social media very much enjoys it. So Larry the Lobster and now Lenny the Lobster, uh, local celebrities, according to this news story. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. It's a Monday. I've done a lot of news today. I feel like doing less news. Uh, first, let's do the um, bad story. I did good story, bad story. Didn't do my bad story, so I'll do it now. Uh, a gas station employee is facing charges in Oklahoma after he got a friend to rob a place. The reason he did that... <laughs> I love this. He just wanted to go home early. The guy's like, man, I don't want to work today. How do I get out of work? What would they do? What would I need to do for them to send me home? Oh, I know. My friend will rob me. And then I'll just tell my, my employer or I'll tell the police, I'll tell whoever I need to tell that I'm getting robbed and that it was traumatic and I need to go home after. And so, yeah, you're in trouble for that. Everybody's in trouble. The robbery, which was essentially real, uh, means that someone is in trouble for that. And then uh, the text messages between the two people setting up the robbery, also relevant to the court case, demonstrating that that was the plan so that they could go uh, hang out. Uh, bad move as far as bad story go. Uh, other things out there that I, I thought were kind of interesting today. And again, this is a, a, um, um, a deviation from serious news because we I can't do I just can't do so much of it all the time. Sometimes I can't. 
Now, I love this. An article talking about how geniuses, uh, people in our society who are known to be some of the you know best we've ever had, smartest we've ever had, are weird, really weird, more often than not. And some of the things they say about just what was so weird about people, uh, Mozart, uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, uh, I love this, uh, according to the study. Um, obviously, trailblazer in the world of music. I don't even know if that's what you call him uh, since he was so influential. I don't know if we would use the word trailblazer. I'm sure they did then. I'm sure somebody in some publication was like, this Mozart guy is a trailblazer. Uh, but apparently he loved poop jokes. <laughs> I can't get over how much I like this one. He would make them all the time. He'd make them about friends to other friends. He'd make them, um, you know, publicly. Uh, apparently, he's a, he's a big fan, and he'd giggle through every one of his, his quote-unquote uh, poop jokes. And he used a different word that I was going to use, where he made jokes like that person went uh, number two in the in the bed. Ha-ha-ha. <laughs> he just, <laughs> oh, my weird laugh was even fun. He would just laugh about that, and people thought that was really weird because they wanted to talk to him about his his incredible, um, you know, music. And he was like, well, I don't know. If you heard this joke about poop, uh, it made me very happy. Uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, also weird. Again, most, uh, I guess, very smart people, also very weird. Um, he was, his oddest thing, or the most embarrassing thing about him, according to this, I think, book that's coming out, is that he believed in, in fairies, like the fairy godmother. And the reason he believed in them is because, I guess, two uh, kids took a photo uh, that he saw, and the photo looked like uh, little shiny things were in it uh, that he thought uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the guy who wrote the Sherlock Holmes uh, books, uh, thought it was actually real, and he even called it the most astounding photograph ever published. But Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, pretty sure that everybody had a fairy godmother out there, or at least some people did, uh, which I like a lot. Uh, Nikola Tesla I uh, mentioned here, too. Uh, he was odd, as again, I guess most people who are very famous are, are, are odd. Uh, one of the things about him that was most significant is that I guess toward the end of his life, he didn't have a lot of money. He was squatting in various New York City luxury hotels, never paying any money, and also fell in love with a pigeon. According to this story, he said, I loved this pigeon as a man loves a woman uh, to someone somewhere. And then people stopped talking about Nikola Tesla for a while. And then finally, Einstein is referenced here. Uh, Albert Einstein and he's the least embarrassing of the things I've just said, uh, but he loved to sail. He loved to go out alone on a sailboat, and apparently he was just really bad at it, which makes me really happy. Uh, the next time that you're bad at a thing and you say to yourself, man, I should be better at this thing, whatever this thing is, uh, because not being good at it means I'm dumb, just know that there was something that Albert Einstein was atrocious at, and it was sailing, but he loved it and he did it all the time. He was rescued countless times in his life. He was stranded in Connecticut and Rhode Island. He crashed into swimmers. Um, think about that, too. You get hit, and on the boat is Albert Einstein. He's like, my bad, didn't see you. I don't know why I like this so much. But he said it, it alleviated a lot of stress. So he'd go out, and he'd, he'd try to sail, and he would screw it up uh, constantly. Uh, Albert Einstein, uh, the people who would watch him sail behind him would be the same as the people you're behind in your car. When you're like, what is this person doing? You might use more coarse language. That's Einstein behind the... Um, the, the controls of a sailboat, and I don't know why I love that story so much. Uh, something else that I saw out there, I'll be honest, I, I saw a lot of stories about depression uh, today, and I feel like I talk about depression a uniquely um, significant amount of time uh, on this show. Uh, young people, uh, their studies, especially young girls, and how depressed they are, 
Uh, but there are two ones that came out. Uh, I think one the CDC put out Tuesday last week and then another one more recently uh, that's about men and loneliness. Uh, actually, there's two stories technically about men that are out today. Uh, there's one about men who have eating disorders at a higher percentage than in the past, and they, they actually blame uh, porn, uh, Internet pornography for uh, men having eating disorders. Uh, but the stats about um, mental health and kids specifically, uh, which is not necessarily the loneliness uh, that that men in our society are facing right now, that's actually making them uh, have unique health problems like their bones are more brittle and weaker, it says, because of lack of, of socializing. And I didn't even know if I was going to really dive deep into this topic because it sounds like a Debbie Downer of a Monday conversation. Uh, but that's part of the point, I guess, in the data. Uh, but the data of young people uh, saying uniquely kids 12 to 17 are receiving more treatment for mental health than ever before uh, in our society. But actually, a whole bunch of children uh, in that age group are just slightly older, according to the experts, according to the mental health professionals, are not receiving treatment they need. And there's a unique stat out there that says if you don't receive treatment in, in youth and 60% of youth that may be struggling with major depression because of uh, social media, uh, just the unique um, challenges of our society as some of the, the reasons that they could be through that are likely to continue to have um, struggles with things like depression in later life, if not treated for it sooner. So that it sounds as though there is a, a unique struggle uh, right now in our society uh, to give people, uh, children, mental health treatment uh, that they might need at a young, young age to alleviate some of that mental health struggle as they get older. And there, there's no way to not think about some of the other things we discuss in our society when you see this. But one of the quotes in this article is, if U.S. children 5 to 17 do not receive mental health care that they need, the need doesn't go away and it follows them through the, the rest of their life. Reaching adulthood does not automatically translate into higher access of services either. Um, so um, essentially the entire article and all the information is is telling parents that one of the things you should be doing is checking on the mental health of your, your child uh, and how things like social media that are such a identifying aspect of, of teenagers' lives uh, might be impacting them and then getting them mental health, um, uh, you know, like a, my mom's a professional psychologist, like someone to sit down and talk to uh, in that world is, is a tremendously important and valuable thing uh, for a lot of kids who feel uh, lost. And then actually, and the reason that that connects to the other thing I found that I wasn't sure I was going to talk about, but now here we are. We're doing this instead of the other silly stuff out there or uh, other uplifting stuff. I'll get to one of those in a second. Uh, but loneliness in, in men is, is uniquely bad, too. It's bad in, in young women, in women that are teenagers all the way up to like their early 20s. And then it's, it's bad in men as they get older because they don't have uh, significant social um, um, groups of people, uh, I guess, more so than before in society. There's more lonely guys uh, in our in our world. And uh, psychologists are saying that this mental health treatment is vitally important. And so and again, that that feels like it connects to some of the other things we talk about uh, when you say that there's violence in, in our society, in our own community. Uh, we saw shootings over the weekend. Uh, one of the things you, you think about is how mental health is a, a necessary aspect to fixing some of those problems, or at least trying to fix some of those problems in our society. And yet uh, those are, are under discussed when we start to gravitate toward some of the politically um, more um, loud arguments that people have. Uh, but this is is something that a lot of people are dealing with uh, and a lot of people need some form of assistance with a lot of young people and a lot of uh, adults. 
Uh, but it's a uniquely interesting story that I, I guess now, there we go, uh, reporting on it today uh, when I thought I would just avoid it because it was a Debbie Downer. But that's not the point. You're supposed to bring those things up. And then, then one last thing, and this is uh, certainly a sillier topic uh, to cap this segment. Let's call it a palate cleanser, if you will. I love this poll. So a poll asked men and women, not what secrets you have, not like what's your what's your deep, dark secret. Just if you had a secret, who do you tell? And men are very likely, and this is very true for me, to tell their spouse. 32% of guys, the largest um, percentage of, of uh, one group that said one thing, said they immediately turn to the spouse or partner and tell them the secret, whatever the secret is. Uh, it is unlikely that stuff that I'm told is not eventually also told to Betty. That is, it's unlikely to be a thing. Um, the other one that men usually confide in uh, more so than anyone else is not even like friends. Like your buddies is on the list, but it's not as high up. The number one, number two is parents. Mom and dad are people that men tell secrets to before they tell anyone else. Uh, women tell their secrets more uh, commonly to their friends and their siblings, uh, not to their partner, not to their parents. Uh, to the, so it's almost like a flipped uh, scenario. Yes, they share secrets, uh, but not as commonly. The go-to for a guy, if you have a secret, is your partner or your parents. According to this study, a go-to for a woman is your friend or your sibling. I find that fascinating. And actually, uh, for I think both my wife and I, I think it's um, pretty accurate. Uh, there is stuff that she'll tell me that it's like, I forgot to tell you about this from like weeks ago. And I'm like, who knows already? She's like, my mom, my, my family, my sister knows, uh, my friend, this friend knows. And I'm like, really? How did, I, how did I wind up so far down this list? And then I pretty much, as I said, will tell Betty any secret I get uh, within a short amount of time. I probably am texting her while you're telling me the secret. I'm probably actually just holding the phone up to your mouth so it's doing a voice text to Betty. <laughs> That's how quickly she knows that stuff. All right, quick break, a lot more, 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, before I get to anything else, just quickly, Carl Health, Red, White, and Boom is coming up. I think I'm broadcasting uh, for several hours before the fireworks and then maybe even doing a live play-by-play of the fireworks on the radio, which I'm excited about. We might try that for the first time. I don't know what that's going to sound like. I assume uh, some version of describing to you what's going on, although if I keep saying, that exploded and colors are coming out, that's not going to be quite enough, uh, but I think that's going to be happening. Uh, but it's brought home by Adam Merrick Real Estate. It's back. It's going to be better than ever. It's one of the largest firework displays in the country, and you can make a whole weekend out of it. There's a bunch of stuff to do. Uh, there's the Boat Drunks, uh, Friday, June 30th, uh, which sounds fun. Uh, a Fool House is a 90s uh, band playing on Monday. Uh, also, lots of food, drink, and, and more each night. Uh, get your tickets at the gate or in advance. Uh, that's live music in Peoria. The Boat Drunks uh, sounds like a, a fun uh, music. Uh, I think that's a band as well. Uh, Tuesday the 4th, uh, choose your spot on the Peoria or East Peoria side of the riverfront for the best fireworks display in the state one of the largest in the country. I'm just going to go world. I feel like we got to be on the list of the world, uh, but it's ridiculous um, and awesome. I get all the details, including music events and things that I might have screwed up just now, and lots more at WMBDRadio.com. Uh, there are other sponsors we'd like to thank for this uh, that do this uh, with us, uh, Paradise Hotel Casino, Uftering Auto Group, uh, G&D Integrated. Um, we just got a bunch, I3 Broadband, Caterpillar, SefQ. I'm going to be throwing those names out uh, throughout the uh, pre-show show. And then I think I'm going to be giving away some unique prizes. Uh, last year, if anybody heard me on air for the Fourth uh, of July show uh, with uh, Will Stevenson, Julia Bradley was there. Uh, we we gave away um, stuff from Will's desk and from the back of my car. 
So something like that may very well happen again. Uh, we might have a few nicer things uh, to give away, too, but that's all coming up on the 4th of July. Uh, a couple other uh, things out there that I thought were interesting. This is the second time I've seen a story like this. Uh, this guy's name is Toby. He's 21, and he said he got kicked out of a, a gym somewhat recently because he was accused of he was accused of staring at a woman uh, who was working out. And the woman got very mad and said, you got to kick this guy out. He's staring at me. Uh, here's the thing about Toby, who's 21, as I said. He's blind. He's the second guy uh, who had a significant social media following uh, who also, in fact, cannot see and is blind. He goes by Blind Tobes on TikTok, and he said it was a mortifying experience for him to be telling people the entire time he's getting kicked out of the gym, I'm blind and can't see stuff. And uh, those individuals saying that he was pretending to be blind to not be in trouble for staring at a woman. Uh, boat drunks are basically Jimmy Buffett. Thank you, 309, for texting that in. I got to see that show. Now, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, but again, to go back to Toby, like I, I've made a few jokes on this show uh, whenever I do uh, hit the gym, which is uh, not anywhere near as often as the missus is hitting the gym. And after I helped my mom build a fence over the weekend, one thing that kept popping up in my brain is I should be going to the gym more. I should be doing that more as Betty is getting in better shape all the time. And I am not as I struggled to carry um, multiple pieces of fence uh, across a yard. Not not a great look uh, for me. Uh, but anyway, um, I've made jokes about how you go to the gym. Somebody walks in with a crazy outfit uh, that you feel like they shouldn't be wearing at the gym if they don't want anyone to look at them. Uh, but because of what the Internet is today, I then try to look up in the ceiling where I'm pretending there's an imaginary fly I'm paying attention to, or you look straight forward or you look down. You really do react to it um, because the last thing I want is a viral video where some woman is screaming at me uh, for staring at her at a gym uh, when I wasn't doing that. So I, I purposely, like, I don't. I, I pretend that it's not even, you know, anyone there, that I'm, I'm at the gym alone. Uh, even if they're standing right in front of me working out, I just I just move. I just get to another piece of equipment. Uh, but I do think it's it's interesting, again, uh, that this is the kind of thing that's happened more than once now. Uh, this is yet another guy that's gone viral for saying uh, people don't understand um, that or wouldn't believe. Like, that's the other thing, too. Like, it's hard for me. I know uh, what the world is today. I know how many dishonest people uh, exist out there. Uh, but to just assume that a guy is pretending to be blind because he doesn't want to get in trouble for looking at a woman at a gym and the gym willingly throwing him out is, is a unique difference, I feel like, from what our society used to be. All right. Other stuff that I saw out there, uh, a woman used um, artificial intelligence to Photoshop a photo uh, that she took. Uh, oh, it's OG Keith. Sorry about that, Keith. I, I got to identify some of these people who text me a lot. OG Keith. I was a guy who texted in a second ago to tell me what uh, Jimmy Buffett and um, the boat drunks have in common, which is all the music. I said, thanks, buddy. I'm sorry. I forgot about that. I got to I got to fix that. Um, all right. Uh, this woman put AI um, to work on her photo and it made it look like she was in the hospital, like convincingly so uh, with even a nurse around her and everything. And she put the, the photo up in social media. She explained that it wasn't real and said she'll never trust anybody ever again as far as photos and the Internet are concerned because it's getting too easy to fake literally everything. And I agree with her. That makes sense. Uh, I don't know when it'll come to, to be a place where we can't trust video. I know that people can already artificially create video or even like courtrooms don't know if something's real or fake. Uh, but I feel like those days are coming as the uh, technology gets better and better. All right, with just a couple minutes left, I wanted to – I opened the show uh, with this. I wanted to close the show uh, with this. Uh, today is Juneteenth too, by the way. I'm, I don't think I, I mentioned that, my, my fault, uh, for everyone and anyone celebrating 
uh, Juneteenth, a holiday about uh, the freeing of slaves in a part of our country uh, that it took way too long to tell people that they were free, uh, much longer than it should have taken. Uh, I think in, in Texas and in the South, where they eventually uh, freed the last remaining enslaved people. Um, but also yesterday, of course, was Father's Day. I helped my mom build a fence. I went uh, home and helped her put up uh, 50 to 60 percent of a fence. And uh, the reason I, I bring that up for, for Father's Day or the reason I bring that up at the beginning and end of the show is I was raised by a single parent. Uh, my grand, my uh, grandfather was in my life for a little while when I was very young and kind of a male role model for me until he passed away. Uh, but for a majority of, of my uh, childhood, my mom was the one doing the stereotypical dad stuff. Uh, and I was the oldest of, of uh, two sons, uh, not the oldest kid. There were two. Uh, she, I have two sisters that are older than me. But I'd be like playing basketball or baseball and mom would be there, uh, sometimes even trying to help me uh, with those sports and stuff. So uh, even though it's Father's Day, which I, I just sort of like forget in my brain um, because I don't have kids and I, I don't have um, a dad or didn't have a dad growing up, uh, my mom really does uh, fill that role. And it was kind of fun on Saturday and on Sunday to build a fence with Ma, uh, a fence that she probably shouldn't have been trying so hard to, to build with me. I don't think that that's the right move for her, um, but she did it, and she said she was fine the whole time, and, and I did it, and I might have got injured a few times because uh, I was trying to do things that I, I'm not physically capable of doing, like carrying multiple pieces of, of fence at the same time that knocked me over on my butt at one point. And also, I love the fact that the the a woman who lives next door to my mom, uh, who's got to be in her 70s or 80s, just started asking me to do stuff for her. I was standing outside and doing things for my mom, building a fence. That woman saw me and she's like, young man, young man, here, come here. I have things for you to do 